Welcome to another edition of the Green Beard Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beard. And this is another edition of the Green Beard Podcast. Now, today, for the first time ever, we have a guest. We have Justin Marvel of This Just In. He is joining us here today as we get into one last week of talk before the season begins. Gentlemen, welcome. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. Like, it's been long overdue. You know what was happening behind the scenes, so I really wanted to get here and make this an all-Caribbean podcast. Sorry, AJ, but the Belgian boys may team up on you today, so... <laughs> To be fair, I am Bajan Borner, so I, I still fit oh. in. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm Justin, really glad to have you here today. Um, yeah, it's an exciting time, right? So just really glad to have more company to talk to talk uh, about this, about all of these stories that are going on. Oh, for it sure, because true. they have to repay the, 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 you know, the favor as y'all were on my show. And I had an absolute blast. So I, yeah, I yeah, that was, that was incredible, too. That was incredible, too, so... Glad, glad we could return the fit and return the favor and have you here today. Yep, definitely. And of course, you know, as we always remind you guys, <clears throat> you will see this on Wednesday, where we are recording on a Tuesday evening. So forgive us if we have a few Freudian slips where we say yeah. tomorrow or today or yesterday or what have you. No, as per usual, we start by going off the rip. And off the rip, football starts tomorrow. We've gone through all of the preseason. We've gone through all of the roster moves and everything. Football starts tomorrow. And we have the week one of the NFL kicking off with the Dallas Cowboys, supposedly America's team, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 8.20 p.m. Eastern. Now, of course, this being the first week of the season, everybody's playing so justin as you are our guest here today who are you looking for which game are you looking at the most for this first week well obviously outside of our game ken because that's what happens you and i match up in the first week of the season it is outside true of, outside of obviously packers team um it's tomorrow night um there's so many questions uh, particularly on Dallas's end, how will that Prescott look? How will the Cowboys' offensive line hold up with that Martin out due to COVID-19 protocols? Um, I also expect the chance to actually be better this season. Like, could you believe the defending Super Bowl champs who have returned all 22 starters, 11 on both sides of the, of, of the field of, or of the ball, could actually be better because Tom Brady said he was injured last season playing with a hurt knee. Now he says he's feeling as good as a 24-year-old. Now they return O.J. Howard to that offense. It's already had Mike Evans and already had Chris Godwin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thursday night. Nice. Okay. AJ, what's your pick? Uh, that, <laughs> that was actually my pick as well. That is my pick. Like that, I, I guess... <laughs> It, it, it also comes with just the feeling from, uh, of knowing that football is back generally. But that, that initial game is it for me, though, because and it, it's kind of like everything that Justin just outlined. Um, the Bucks being able to, to reassemble 
the team, the squad, you know, basically running it back. And then the questions on what is happening to Dak Prescott. Because, I mean, Ken, well, we in fantasy and nobody left Dak Prescott on the waiver wire. Everyone picked him up. So men expecting this man to play. Mm-hmm. Expected to play, right? But you know how Jerry's been in the offseason, in, 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 um, yeah, in the preseason so far? So um, he's he been making headlines for the wrong reason. So I, that, I, my interest is just peak from minute one. Uh, you would think I would see the patch, right? But no. no <laughs> I, I, re- I really want to see this, this Thursday night game firstly and then, yeah, take it from there. So the interesting thing for me is that both of you picked the same game. And that game... Yeah, it kicks the season off. Yes, it's the first game of the year. But that game doesn't rate that highly for me compared to a lot of the others on the on the schedule. The main reason, because I don't expect it to be much of a contest. Mm. I don't anticipate that the Cowboys' defense is going to be that great. And their offense, well, their offense can be elite if everybody's fit. Well, we shall see. However... The game that has me most intrigued for what's happening on Sunday is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are going to be playing against the Browns. No, this is a rough game for both squads right out the gate. You know what the Browns are about? The Browns are all about ball control. They're all about time of possession and making sure that they're going to try to keep the Chiefs off the field as much as possible, similar to what they tried to do last season in the playoffs. But we know that the Chiefs are this juggernaut of an offensive team. And when you look at the speed that they have on offense, it's interesting to see what they're going to be able to do because I don't know about you guys, but at one point in time during the preseason, I actually heard a commentator say that the league is starting to figure out Patrick Mahomes. And it was like, <laughs> where is he putting his mouth to say that? Because if I, I'll throw it out to you, do you think the league is figuring out Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, they're figuring out a guy who's been to three straight AFC title games and back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, good job figuring out that, right? Like, like, <laughs> Let's come off it. No, this is absolute rubbish. If you were, if you have figured out this guy by now, they would the team have made three straight AFC games or title games? Sorry, and the answer is no. The reality is, good players win games, and that's what it is. You have a burner in Tyreek Hill, who just is a threat to take the top off the defense every single possession, and because of that, you open up the underneath where Travis Kelsey lives. I expect. <clears throat> Either this season or next season, Travis Kelsey is going to break the receptions record. You heard it here first. I expect him. Like, 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 that is how good he is. And with the additional um, 17th game, yeah, I expect at some point, either this season or next season, him to break you know, that record. They just shored up their one weakness in, across the entire roster, which was that offensive lane. No, this is a guy <laughs> that can make throws. From any position, um, every arm angle does not lead uh, a solid platform or a solid base to make these throws, as they call it, off-platform. The league has not figured out Patrick Mahomes, and we're going to find that out this Sunday, this coming Sunday. AJ? That's so laughable to me, right? Um, the, the notion, I mean, to, to be to be difficult, if someone had said that, I, was, I, I would probably re- reply to them by saying, all right, well, Okay, so they figured him out. Can they stop him though? 
whether, <laughs> whether or not they figure him out, that, that's, that, that seems pretty inconsequential to me. The fact of the matter is he can't be stopped. The only thing that's stopping will stop Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, having a, I will clearly on the Bucks defense a little bit last year, but as Justin just alluded to, like they've really shored up the offensive line. They put a lot of work into making sure that Patrick is protected and he doesn't have to, to keep scrambling uh, um, on plays this season. So I, I think it's just a silly notion in any case. Uh, no matter how you word it, the fact of the matter is he can't be stopped. Well, the interesting thing, during that same broadcast, they made mention of one thing that Patrick Mahomes himself has said, and that he said that he was going to be working on during this offseason, which was that he tends his feet tend to get happy in the pocket. Mm. He is not known to be a running quarterback, but the things that we tend to hear the running quarterbacks do are things that he himself tends to do at times, which is he gets in the pocket, and then the clock is ticking in your head and you, you're recognizing, oh, wait, I need some more time. But rather than slide up in the pocket or just maneuver the pocket, then he takes off and runs outside the pocket. So he said that he himself was trying to work on that so that he could stop mm -hmm. doing that so much. So if he found a flaw in his game and he was working on it, good luck to the rest of the NFL. Now, I will say this, Ken, before you move ahead. on. There is one way to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense, and that is, as AJ said, to keep them on the sideline. And so, to your point, this is going to be a good game because if there's a team or a couple teams that can do that, Cleveland Browns probably head this. Yes. We all know Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and they have the ability to run, uh, run the football, control the time of possession, which they did in that ASC divisional matchup. Unfortunate situation, as we all know, Rashard Higgins stupidly extended for the and zone loss in football, and they go on to lose by... I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad you brought that up, Justin. I'll tell you a story afterwards, right? Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're a good AJ. So, yeah, this match should be good because if there is one way to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense, it's to keep them on the side where they're not going to be able to score points from. <laughs> so, so let me give you a little a little flashback here, right? So, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that point about... Um, Rashad Higgins, like, extending on and losing the ball, right? Because Ken and I had a little debate about that after that game last season. And I was saying, to me, what he did was stupid, too. I, I thought it was stupid because, like, you don't even have your balance. Why are you trying to extend? Like, you, you already got the first down, though. You got the down. Because you, you, you you, you, I can't remember how many yards they needed on the play or, what, or whatnot. But he, he, they would have had a first down. Essentially, like, take that. Don't, don't try to make a play when you're off balance. <laughs> Ken didn't see so much of an issue with it, but I thought it was incredibly dumb and naive to do that at, at that stage. We don't see much of an issue because we don't play football, but coaches apparently drill this in their players. Do not extend for the play long if you do not have full control in football. They, they, they drill this into players. And I mean, I guess um, adrenaline takes over. Like, you know, you see the end zone there and you try to score because you don't know what's going to happen in the next two, three, four plays. But mm. damn, like, if your coaches tell you do not extend for the play line, if you do not have full control of the football, and that, that play that's ends all up. That's all I was saying, Master Ken. That's all I was saying. That's and all I was saying. <laughs> even though it is still, it is no two versus one on that particular point, my position still remains. <laughs> football is a game of inches. And if you have an opportunity to get into the end zone, 
you have to take it because you could get on the half inch line and get stopped four times and still don't get in. And at the end of the day, to one of the things that came up after that we didn't really make mention of, but the fact was that Sorensen, the safety who hit him, it was a helmet to helmet hit. That was a foul. So mm. the foul would have negated the turnover of possession. But the rest didn't call it. You have to go for it. If you did, if you got it, we would not be having this, I know, I really this particular you, I really conversation. You, you intend to go down with that sinking ship, right? But that's all right. We, all, we move. We move. Yeah, that is a hill. <laughs> that is a hill that I have planted my flag and I'm willing to die on. Okay? <laughs> now, right, one, one other thing that I did want to make quick mention of with regards to this first week, as Justin mentioned, my Saints, we're supposed to be the home team against his Packers. But we are playing in Jacksonville because, as I made mention of last week, Hurricane Ida, the situation is still quite dire in Louisiana and in New Orleans in particular. Therefore, we are on the road for a home game. But hopefully, my Saints can do what needs to be done to put some smiles on the faces of folks back home in New Orleans. So, that was off the rip. No, I may mention, I teased this last week. This situation with Bishop Sycamore. Justin, you, you, did, you, you, did you see what happened here with this Bishop Sycamore story? I saw what happened. I read what happened. I got a story from a former player. I read that, I think it's either on The Athletic or ESPN. I can't remember where I read that. Mm-hmm. From a former high school player who went into debt for that situation. Like, wow. Just wow. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say on the situation itself other than this offbeat take here. Because, like, Bishop Sycamore, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> but the story itself, ESPN, I think we're seeing the unraveling of the worldwide leader of sports in front oh. of our very own eyes. Like, yes. I don't know, like, how you are the world's leading sports network and get duped into covering this high school without doing any sort of background check. And I say that, and I mean, I don't want to sound so harsh, but can you know me personally? I served as a sports journalist back home in Barbados. Mm-hmm. That would not have happened to me. That, that's what, so, I, so I don't understand what is going on here. And over these last five years, it's just one fiasco after another with ESPN, whether it's this Bishop Sycamore situation, whether it is the um, next fiasco with Maria Taylor and, and Rachel Nichols, the worst handled situation I've ever seen in an entire workplace, I, I don't understand. And then after that, that you're seeing one front-facing talent after another leave ESPN. This is a network that we all grew up in in the 80, late 80s, early 90s, you know, like this is what we grew up in in sports. This is indeed the worldwide, world, worldwide leader of sports. And to see them just unraveling in front of our very eyes is just really dis- disheartening. It is indeed. AJ, your take? Um, no, I think Justin uh, eloquently put, um, like, summarized the, the whole Bishop Sycamore situation. But further, I, um, to kind of like piggyback off of his, his point, with regards to ESPN, yeah, it's, 
it's kind of, I guess as we grow older, we kind of realize that not all that glitters is gold because I don't think, I don't think that all of these, like it's not like these issues just started happening. They have been happening for years at ESPN, but I think we have a, a greater understanding and, and obviously due to like social media and so on, there's a, is a lot more, um, is, is more accessible um, by us regular folk, right? Uh, I mean, there's even a situation, I, I don't know the full story, none of us do, but can we, we saw like the clip today of Joe Budden talking about the, the issue with Max Kellerman uh, on being on first take and whatnot. Like something had to have happened there that they decided to remove Max from that show. Uh, we're, we're probably not going to find out what it is, probably uh, maybe until later though when Max actually leaves ESPN. But yeah, I, 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 I really agree with you, Justin. Like it, it is, it's, it's, it's sad. It is really sad that, that, that an organi organization of that uh, magnitude and caliber is, is having such issues. Like, <laughs> and in this case, as you said, this was pure negligence. It was just negligence. You want to uh, talk about the Max Kellerman situation? I can sum summarize it in three words. Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Given, oh, yeah, for sure. You say it, not me. I ain't going to say it, but yeah. I, I was going to say, <laughs> you've given this man complete control over almost everything. And now the direction in which you see first date, a show which I personally do, never liked anyhow, the direction in which you're taking first date is now just a bunch of people screaming. And you can see the rotation of hosts is all Stephen and Friends whether it be Michael Irvin on Mondays or, well, I personally like Marcus Spears. Marcus Spears on Tuesdays, Tim Tebow on Friday. I think sometime during the week is Paul Feinbaum. This is Stephen A. Smith picking the people who he wants on this show. And mm. he already has his own show in Stephen A.'s world. Just wow. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. <laughs> no, for me, it's interesting that ESPN could find themselves in the situation that they did with this particular game with Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore, to me, is the... Their photo needs to go into the dictionary next to the term, fake it till you make it. Because, clearly, they faked it so well that they got this prestigious game when they're not even assigned or aligned with the Ohio State uh, Football Commission. The team is just a team that they put together and they claimed they had all of these um, five-star recruits. Of course, at this point, nobody could prove if you're going to be a five-star recruit because you haven't been recruited officially. Mm -hmm. So that was their argument. However, if that's the argument, at least put something on the field then that gives someone some level of credence. Now, where ESPN is concerned, I believe that ESPN, the juggernaut that it is, it is too big to fail. But with the danger, the problem that they're going to find themselves with is that on the sports side, in terms of just broadcasts and games and, and stuff, nobody can touch them. But when it comes now to the personality side of it, because the majority of the personalities that I guess you could say those of us in our generation have grown up with, and we have yeah. developed some level of attachment to most of them are gone and others are going to follow. 
so you're going to find then that, you know, like Maria T Taylor, as soon as her contract was up at ESPN, she was covering the Olympics at NBC. That was one of the big things that got Mike Tirico to leave ESPN to go over to NBC. You have people like um, the NBA um, analyst, I do not remember his name right now, that left ESPN and went over to Fox. You have a lot of people who are leaving ESPN are popping up at these other networks. Now, a lot of them, we might say, are not necessarily the ones that we want here too often, like Marcellus Whitey and um, what's his name that just got fired from Fox 2. Uh, I can see his face, and it, it, his name is not coming, so that probably tells you everything. <laughs> but a lot of these guys are going elsewhere, and they're making careers of themselves. As I read somewhere, they said that just because you leave ESPN, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a step down. It's just, it could be like a lateral shift. You can get more money when you leave ESPN. Who knows? It'd be nice if ESPN were to see us and like us after we put all these lashes in them and then give us an opportunity to make some of that money. But who knows? Who knows what the future holds where that is concerned? All right, so now we are on to some player movement in the <clears throat> NFL. I didn't get to put it in the rundown, but there has some some stuff that came out today with regards to some running backs in my locker room. So Latavius Murray, who has been the backup for Alvin Kamara for the last two seasons, he's out because apparently they asked him to restructure his contract to you know help put some money on the table that we could you know feed somebody else. He said no. So I guess he'll take the guaranteed money and no more because he is gone. And then we saw that Le'Veon Bell, he has been signed by the Baltimore Ravens so far to their practice squad. But the expectation is that he is going to be promoted to their active roster. So are, do you guys have any thoughts with regards to these two running backs and the moves that they have they have now been forced into. Go ahead, Adrian. Um, <laughs> uh, nah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love to tell you that I have some soliloquy here to speak about Latavius Murray and Lev Bell, but it's no longer 2015 or 2016. So, <laughs> nah, to be honest, I don't. I, I, I mean, in, in I, I, what I will, what I will say about the Lev Bell situation is. I think it's an interesting move for him. Um, as he know me, I guess would have some sort of opportunity to to um, try and, and 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 fit into an offense. Actually, like probably will actually have a place because uh, um, Andy Reid didn't use him last year, and <laughs> that was supposed to be, I, I guess, like his kind of kind of like redemption. But still ended up losing his place to a rookie, and um, yeah, it was he was he's just largely been disappointing for the last. How many other seasons? So I, I just kind of I'm interested in seeing how he fits into this offense and how he will be used. To be honest, Latavius Murray, I have nothing to say on it. Sorry to use you there, AJ, but I just can't correct. He said he didn't put it in the rundown, so I was just gathering my thoughts. I was like, all right, yeah, no worries, no worries. So I can get my thoughts together. Latavius Murray, that is a shocker for Ken Saint, and I was explaining why. This is the team that is going through some offensive overhaul. We all know Michael Thomas is likely out for a significant portion of the season. 
You lost your all-team leader in everything in Drew Brees. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken. I think you no longer have Emmanuel Sanders as well, right? No, he's in Buffalo. Yeah. So with all that offensive departure, you would think that you would try to hold on as, to as many veteran players as possible. And it is not like Latavius Murray was bad last season. This is a guy I think he had a career-high 4.7 yards per carry last season. Yeah, yeah, he did. No, no, without certain players, you are going to need to be able to run between the tackles, something that the Saints ordinary really don't do. But this is what you're going to have to transform your team into. And to mm-hmm. ask him to take a pay cut when he just had a career season is mind-boggling in my, in my estimation. I don't like the move there, and I think the Saints will suffer because as good as Alvin Kamara is, and I absolutely love him, he's not a bell cow back. He's not somebody you're going to hand the ball off to 25 times a, a game and tell him to run between the tackles. That's not what he is. So that is a bit shocking to me. I like Baltimore taking a whiff at Lavelle simply because J.K. Dobbins is done for the season. So to, I think, Justice Hill. Justice Hill, so yeah. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, like, they're down to one running back. Yeah, I think like that was almost a necessity. Although Le'Veon Bell doesn't exactly suit what they want to do, but I think he gives them a deal. He can enhance their offense simply because we all know Baltimore wants to run the football, and Le'Veon is arguably, I don't know where you rank them. Like Ladainian Thompson might be the best receiving back we've ever seen, or I know I'm going to put Le'Veon Bell up there. Like, I think Le'Veon Bell is the best receiving back we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And if he still has a bit of juice in those legs, he can maybe help to expand the offense a bit. But the mere fact that they are without J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill, I kind of like the Le'Veon Bell pickup. So the Le'Veon Bell pickup for me, I'm just wondering about if he has a burst. Because one of the things that made him special when he was playing in Pittsburgh, was the patience that he showed when he was coming out to the lane that sometimes he would be. It was almost like if he would unfold a deck chair, lay down, you know, take a sip from a juice with an umbrella, and then decide, okay, I'm going to hit that hole and run through it. But last season when he was playing with the Chiefs, and I also was checking him when he was playing with the Jets, he was still showing a lot of that patience, but there was no burst. There was no explosion for him to get through the hole. So at this point, he would be better served just taking the ball and just running downhill so that he can get some momentum going because there's no, he doesn't have that short distance quickness anymore just to be able to get through and keep it going. So I understand why they would bring him in. Devontae Freeman was another running back that they were taking a look at. I don't know if they're just trying to get as many old boys as they can, but they, they're looking at some of these older running backs who I'm not quite sure have a lot to give. No, where Latavius Murray is concerned, Justin, I take your point that we should, or you would think that we would be doing our best to maintain as much cohesion in the offense as possible and keeping as many veteran players as we can. However, the Saints is notorious for being up against the cap all the time. We just brought in a rookie running back who looked good in preseason. So technically speaking, 
if we got a rookie that can give us a similar kind of production to what we're getting from Latavius Murray, chances are Latavius Murray is going to be out the door. And then when you remember that all through the offseason, we were always hearing speculation that the Saints may make a change at the backup running back position. Latavius Murray may be gone altogether. We take all that into consideration. I was only, I was like, oh, they actually did cut him. Okay, I didn't see a cut coming, but okay, it is what it is. That it, it, it really didn't catch me too off guard. Now, somebody though that from someone who was cut to someone who was signed to the active roster, and AJ, we're going to start with you on this one. Josh Norman, he is now signing with the San Francisco 49ers. Your thoughts? Yeah, let me try to be nice. I, I, feel, I feel like I feel like they just like um the Niners just traded one washed up corner for another. I this I'm not to be disrespectful to Josh Norman. I think Josh Norman can still be effective, but I don't think he's the same like lockdown corner he was in Carolina and arguably like like that first either is it first year or first two years in Washington. He he hasn't been that for a few seasons. I I like I'm not wowed by the move. I don't feel like it's a, a definite, oh, like, oh, hey, Ostrich Shumway got Josh Norman. That's a really good upgrade. I, I think uh, he would definitely also add a veteran presence in the locker, in the locker room. Um, I, I, I'm just not wowed by it. I, I, I think it's a decent move. I don't know how much, to me, I don't see how much it actually, like, vastly improves their secondary. I, th- I think it's more just to, to have him as a presence um, because – um, if I'm not mistaken, there are a lot of, of players on on San Francisco's defense who are younger players. So uh, it, it could be it could be f- for that aspect as well. But uh, as a footballing move, the, the technical side of it, not not in- incredibly wild by it. It's it's, it's okay. Okay, Justin. Yeah. What? Oh, sorry. Yeah. What? What AJ said basically, the move is not a well move because this is not the same Josh Norman that we knew as a lockdown corner in those Washington's zone defenses anymore. But I think San Francisco didn't do it as a well move, as, again, what AJ alluded to. Um, they have two solid starters, I want to think, um, Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett. And I think for this game one, Verrett may be questionable. So it can't hurt to bring in an NFL-ready veteran to have their or for depth in your cornerback room. And if you never have too many cornerbacks on your roster, watching enough football, there are two places you always want depth. Your offensive lane and your cornerbacks. Like, you just can't have enough. Like, especially in a league where it's become a pass-happy league and you're facing the lights in that division, like Arizona and Seattle. So it couldn't hurt to have, you know, Josh Norman as your backup cornerback. And especially as Adrian alluded to, I think the next two in the roster are a pair of rookies. So in a division that is so tight like the NSUS, I'm not sure that you want two rookies out there getting huge minutes. So I like the move, but as AJ said, it's not a wow move. It's not something that's going to put you over the top, especially in a division like the NSUS. So I don't really have a lot to add to what you guys said with regards to Josh Norman going to the Fortinators. Yeah, he's a he's a useful body to have. 
and he may be inspiring for the youngsters who are now on the come up. But you know where my mind immediately went when I saw Josh Norman got picked up by the 49ers? I went straight to the schedule. Because I wanted to see if the 49ers were playing against the Tennessee Titans because he got one of the <laughs> nastiest stiff arms I have ever seen last season. And guess what? December 23rd, the 49ers go to Tennessee. So he is going to be it. yep, he is going to be hoping that he is not found on an island out there by himself with the big bad there, Harry, again. And you know, when they've also changed the rules now where you are not allowed to cut block on the outside of the tight ends anymore, it gives the corners less options. So Joshi, he's not the biggest, he's not the heaviest. He may find himself on a meme, on a WhatsApp sticker. Again, Again. in a different uniform. <laughs> Again. All right. So, no, we, we did this a couple times last season, and I think this is a perfect time to bring it back. That's what he said. This is where we look at what somebody somewhere said that we thought was either interesting or completely egregious, and we wanted to bring it up and talk about it. And this week, our target on that's what he said is Rob Ninkovich, famously of ages New England Patriots. So one Rob Ninkovich gets and opens his flap and says that Mac Jones rookie quarterback Mac Jones was teaching the veteran Cam Newton the playbook. And this was one of the reasons why Cam got cut. AJ, this is your boy, and this is your squad. So, of course, they're going to start with you. What was uh, going on here, man? Oh, boy. I don't know. I, I didn't... I, this this one stink, stunk to the high heavens to me. Like, I didn't I didn't like it, you know. I didn't like him making that statement. I did not like Rob making that statement. Well, because whether or not it's true, I don't feel like it needed to be said. Cam is no longer a member of the team. Mark Jones is, is, the, is now the undisputed number one. Like, let's just move on. I don't, I don't feel like we had, like we, we needed this little tidbit of information. But um, one thing, one place that my mind went to, though, when, um, when I saw the statement was that, you know, if it is true, though, it kind of does say a lot about Mark Jones and, and the, the mental side to his ability, basically, his intangibles, right? Because that was one of, of apparently his stronger points um, that was even even before Rob made the statement. Like one of, in, in the assessment of him, like um, after after the decision came out to to part ways with Cam, one of, one of the things that we were hearing was how good um, Mac is like mentally, and um, how he doesn't make mistakes. He look like he doesn't make mistakes twice. So if he makes something, he will learn. So it, it shows that he's a quick learner. So I, I I guess that's what kind of made this like Rob Ninkovich saying this a little more egregious to me because I believe it could be true. I believe I believe that 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 it could actually part of this, even if it's even if the truth is somewhere in in the midst of it. I, I feel like this could partially be true. So it is is I I don't I don't like what it, it does how it makes Cam look. To be honest, I you know I I'm not even a big Cam apologist, but this one was just like I feel like we could have done without this, though, Rob, for real. Justin, I'm with AJ on this. I didn't think it needed to be said, especially 
and we're not, I'm not going to dance around this topic, when race is involved. It, 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 I just don't like it, especially when you're talking about a team coming out of that Boston area. We've known how race plays such a huge part in all of their sports makeup. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's something that Ninko needed to say. And it, it's going to carry a lot of weight because obviously he's a former Patriot player who still has connections to the franchise. So people will sit down and say, well, if Ninkovich said it, it must be true. And we live in this era where everyone wants these hot takes. You know, everyone wants to release this information first, have this insider stuff, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't look good on camp. So also we'll continue to piggyback off what AJ said and say the biggest take on Matt Jones coming out of Alabama was always how quickly he processes information. It's always been how quickly he learns to play a book how quickly he processes information at the line of scrimmage, how quickly he processes information post-snap. So this should not have come as a surprise to any of us, at least him knowing the playbook as well as he does or reportedly does. And on top of that, there's been a story released on Tuesday where he said that, you know, every evening or every day he'd be at home with his girlfriend and they would go through the playbook together and, I'm not sure what she was doing, but he'd be throwing that whatever. <laughs> so his, you know, he, he, coming out, like everyone knew the first four quarterbacks that were taken ahead of him in that draft, we all talk about their physical prowess, you know, the big arms, the ability to extend plays with their feet, the athletic abilities. So everyone was upset when they heard that the 49ers could possibly take him Matt Jones at three, not realizing that one of his strengths one of the most important traits of a quarterback is being able to process information. And I remember, and yes, I'm that guy who's going to rub it in y'all faces now, but just kidding. When y'all are on my show, I did tell you, if there was a situation where a rookie quarterback could start right away, I did say it would be the New England Patriots. Simply because it is a run-heavy offense. They just brought in two tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. So, essentially, they're not going to ask Matt Jones to do a lot. It is they're going to run the football, and in those two tight end sets, get the football out of your hands quickly into the hands of your playmakers and let them do the work. Sounds familiar, right, AJ? Like a 2001 team, you know, drums up any comparisons for you? It it, it just – I don't want to say this guy is the next Tom Brady, but it just feels like – 2001 all over again, Tom Brady just walking into a team right to build right now. Team plays great defense, runs the football, and all you're asked to do is not turn over the football. Yeah, the situation does seem very familiar. You see that 2001 thing that you just made mention of, that does not bring up any happy memories for me at all. <laughs> at all, at all, at all. Because in 2001, I was still very much so considering myself a fan of the then St. Louis Rams, who were the greatest show on turf. And I remember watching that Super Bowl and being very, very upset. And lots of things, the officiating not being a minor part of it. Anyhow, with this particular situation, I, I hear what you guys are saying. And especially with Justin, with that point about race, 
but my 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 first thought process where this was concerned was that Ninkovic probably did hear this from somebody. I would like to think that he didn't just make this up on his own. But this is the kind of thing that we hear often, not just in the NFL, but also in the NBA and other places, where all of a sudden, when a player that was supposed to be integral to your squad, to your team, is no longer there, all of a sudden, now we hear, oh, he wasn't this. He wasn't good in meetings. He wasn't showing up for practice. He wasn't that. And now all of a sudden, now we're hearing that Cam wasn't good at learning the playbook. But a week ago, before Cam got cut, all we were hearing was Cam was looking better. Cam had a much better command of the playbook. And no, he didn't know the playbook good enough that he had to be taught by a rookie that has never taken an actual live snap in the NFL. Something stinks to the high heaven, and I don't think it's Cam. But this just helps to reinforce why I don't like that team from Boston. So we will move but on. But Ken, don't move on because you're still skirting on the issue. So I'll be that guy. What happened with Justin Fields? Like, we heard it. Everyone was seeing how, you know, Matt Jones was supposedly this great. And I mean, I, I, I don't doubt them how intelligent of a quarterback he is and how quickly he processes information. But yet, we did not bring up that Justin Fields had the highest score ever in a Wanderlit test. And I mean ever. It is that this narrative is being pushed down our throats, and I'm going to say it right now, that black quarterbacks are not smart, that they need their feet and their athleticism to you know, to make plays or whatever. And we keep hearing this, this narrative over and over and over again. And, and that's why he did not like what Ninkovich did, because you're pushing this narrative. And I'm not surprised that it came out of a state like none other than, well, sorry, not a state, but an area like Boston. And, and I'm quite tired of hearing it. Like, you know, we had to go all the way back to somebody like Warren Moon, who had to fight all these fights just to become a quarterback in the NFL, despite how great he was in college, despite how great he was in the CFL before eventually making to the NFL and, and eventually a Hall of Famer. Over and over again, we're kept being fed this narrative, black quarterbacks are not intelligent and white quarterbacks, you know, understand or process the game so much faster, so much smarter. But I will get off my soapbox for a second to just add this, Ken. This situation should also teach all of these players who are fringe players and are not NFL superstars, go and get your ass vaccinated. Because in the week, and I'm not saying this played a part, but in the week that Cam could not be at practice, you heard how quickly Matt Jones took over the roster. And Cam did not contract COVID-19 again. It was a mere situation where he broke protocol. That would not have happened if he was vaccinated. A word to the wise to all of these NFL fringe players. Coaches are looking for reasons to cut you to start. Get your tail vaccinated. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well said. All right. So that brings us to the end of that's what he said. And now we are on to who do you trust? Now, last week, 
we started with looking at some divisions and previewing them in relation to the upcoming season. Now, of course, it would be remiss of us if we had the Packers homer here and we did not start with the NFC North. So the NFC North has been the Packers domain for a few years now. But this season feels a little bit different, don't it? Part of the reason is because the quarterback is very upset with his general manager. And the general manager is doing everything in his, pos in his power to piss off his quarterback. So, in who do you trust fashion? Justin and AJ, do you trust the Packers to keep it together at least enough to win the division this year? Yeah. Because as much as the fans and the media make a lot of situations in the offseason or what goes on off the field, reality is Brian Gutekunst isn't on the field. And this is not me trying to downplay the rift between Aaron Rodgers and the general manager, as well as the front office that includes uh, Mark Murphy, because this is very, very much real. I have done numerous shows on the situation. But the moment that Aaron Rodgers steps on the field, that's all gone. And simply because the offense is still there, every single piece with the exception of all pro center Corey Lindsley remains. And once those, player, once those players get on the field, that off-field stuff, that's usually gone. Like, these are professional players. And it's not a situation I would be worried if the rift was between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. But it is clear that they, those two have a great relationship. The offensive coordinator is still there, Nathaniel Hackett. And the pieces of last season's best offense is still there. When you look, the MVP quarterback is still there in Aaron Rodgers. You still have the le best left tackle in football in David Bakhtiari, even though he is set to miss the first six weeks of the season being on the physically unable to perform list. You still have a top 10 running back in Aaron Jones. You still have the best wide receiver in all of football in Devontae Adams. You still have a good offensive line. You still have a tight end who led all tight ends in touchdowns in Robert Tunyon on your offense. You should be getting back uh, healthy. Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Catlin, from what I've seen, uh, two training camps, looks vastly improved. And this is a guy as inconsistent as he was, led the league in um, yards per reception. The makings of an offense that led the league in scoring, tight possession, touchdowns, touchdown percentage, touchdowns in the red zone, is still there. And if the rift was between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, I'd be worried, but the rift isn't. And when you see the post that each of these Packer players are putting up, they are treating this like their last dance. Like, this is our last shot. Because make no mistake, Aaron Rodgers is not the only person that's open the door in 2022. Devontae Adams is up for a contract extension and they have not been able to work in anything out. Robert Tunyon is on a one-year contract and I think he's gone. Zedarius Smith wants a contract extension or reworking of his contract. That hasn't happened. And then I think the cap hit number on the other Smith, Preston Smith, is too ridiculous to keep him on the roster at 2022. All four of those players I just mentioned are through the door. So if that is motivation for them to try to win, no. And that is why I say I trust them more so than any team. And when you look through the division, the Lions, the Bears, 
and the Vikings. Mm-mm. Lanes just got rid of Matthew Stafford and are clearly rebuilding with Jared Goff. Call, the, the Bears are silly enough to throttle Andy Dalton for the first couple of weeks when we all know that Justin Fields is a far superior quarterback without playing a single season in the NFL already. Yeah, like even without the offseason drama, the Packers as a team, as a roster, is by far better than any other team in the division right now. AJ, your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, Justin just put everything so well. My answer is the same. Like, if, if I, to the question, if I trust the Packers to keep it together enough to win the division, yes, I do. Um, uh, everything he said, I, I agree with as well. So I'll just reiterate. Like, one point in particular is the fact that, um, for me, as long as Aaron Rodgers has made the, the commitment to stay this season, whatever happened before, he will put aside, and he's a competitor. He will step out onto the field and play his best. Even, even if it, it is with a, a vengeful mind to, to let the Packers see what they will be missing next year when he leaves, the fact of the matter is he's going to go out there and compete and try to win. And um, Justin ran through like, some of the other players who potentially won't be there as well. So it's like, as he said, it's, it's like their last dance too. So, and, but my, my, main, my main point was the last point that Justin made. When you look through the rest of the division, like, wh- what are we really talking about? What are we really talking about here? <laughs> like that's a, I mean, the Bears, uh, we know the Bears, the Bears quarterback situation is still unresolved. As much as Andy Dalton is going to be the face for a couple of weeks, we know at some point in time during the season, Justin Fields is going to take that field and this, this will, the, the, the torch will be handed over at some point. But Andy Dalton ain't good enough to lead a Bears team to beat that Packers team. And what are the other alternatives we have here? Like, just looking at, at the quarterback situation alone. Kirk Cousins and then, uh, like, the Detroit Lions. Like, <laughs> I, I, I won't even get into, to, like, the Lions situation. The Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions. Like, I don't care who's under center, they're the Lions. So, when you look at the rest of the division, there's nothing to write home about. So, it is a Packers, um, it is a Packers division, again, for the foreseeable future. Well, I mean, at this point, there's there's literally nothing else for me to add. (laughs) Except for me to say that I, too, trust the Packers to win the North. I wish there was somebody else that could actually take advantage of the instability that is in the organization. Winning covers everything, and we will expect that the Packers to do a fair bit of that this season compared to the other teams in the division who are most likely not going to win as much. So they'll be fine. We'll see what happens when they reach the playoffs. And then, then things may get a little bit iffy. So that's the North. So now we move from the North and we go AFC. And we have to make sure we have to touch on AJ's East. So the East, the AFC East, is no longer the AFC least. The AFC East is actually a pretty competitive division. And things look like if they're going to be interesting this season, especially since the you know the most recent roster moves. So AJ, I have to start with you on this one now. Do you trust any of the teams to challenge Buffalo for the division crown this year? Because I even saw, I think it was today, Stephen S. Smith was saying that he thinks the, the Patriots could beat the Buffalo Bills for the division title. So, AJ, 
your thoughts. I would, I would love to tell you I have um, Stephen A's type of confidence in my own team, but I don't at this point. And it's not, it is not to, to be disparaging about my parts. I just think that, um, mind you, because I did say, and I'm pretty sure I said so on, on Justin's show as well, that I think we're going to come second in this division you know, and, and, and eke into uh, a wild card, um, eke into the playoffs to a wild card position, right? Um, but in terms of winning the division, nah. In, in, in given our situation, and I, I mean, we're still talking about Bill, Bill Belichick, so I know he has a plan, but the reality is I, I feel like Buffalo already have a blueprint from last year, and the fact that we're in a transitional stage right now, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see us having what it takes to, to take them out, at, not at this point. And then I I don't have that kind of faith in Miami. And then, well, it's a Jets. So uh, again, looking through the division, it's not much, it's not really much in the way of I the, uh, uh, realistically, the only other team to, to that you would think could potentially um take out the bills are the parts, right? But I don't think we're there yet. I don't. Not not with, like I said, not with the blueprint that the Bills have from last year. And um I I, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're definitely stronger like i think they're still as strong as they were last year uh, that's that's about where i place them but there's it's not enough there's not enough from any other team to, to to really take them out at this point you check me again in a year though answer <laughs> might be a bit different your turn justin i think aj has closed the gap somewhat um when you see the off season and i'm not Huge into huge off-season spending, but I like a lot of moves. Hunter Henry, as you mentioned, John Smith. And then you got a pass rusher. I like you, Matthew Judon, to add to a an already elite defense. So I like the moves that the Patriots made. And I think they've closed the gap somewhat on Buffalo. Sounds weird to say after your domination of Buffalo mm-hmm. all these years, right? But my concern, again, is starting a rookie quarterback and expecting him to win this division. <sighs> Maybe the Patriots are actually better with Matt Jones more so than Cam Newton, who's, I mean, at the end of the day last season, Cam only threw for eight touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and, you know, just was not his Carolina um, Panther self. But that being said, usually you just go with the best quarterback in the division. And Josh Allen at this point is clearly head and shoulders the best quarterback in the division. So I'll give the edge again to Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo has done a lot to improve, by the way. So I think you've closed the gap. And I think they've taken a step back in the AFC pecking order. And we'll get into that another time. Miami, again, it all gets down to quarterbacks for me. I don't trust Tua Tungabailoa. And as we spoke on my own show, the Dolphins clearly do not trust him either, like, because you would not be talking about getting into, I want to say, Deshaun Watson, sweepstakes, if you really trusted him. Mm-hmm. Sure, granted, I've heard some Dolphin fans come at me last week saying, well, Deshaun Watson is an upgrade over Tua Tango. But look, which is true, well, Deshaun Watson is an upgrade over 90-95% of the league. But Let's look across the league. Teams that have 
young quarterbacks they are trusting or young quarterbacks that they believe into the future. You've not heard any of them get into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. You've not heard Cincinnati talking about trading for Deshaun Watson. You've not heard the Chargers talk about going after Deshaun Watson. And these are, you know, quarterbacks who are not as good as Deshaun Watson. But clearly it tells me Miami is either talking about, you know, Deshaun Watson or looking at this draft or possible quarterback or whether it was last season bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick at every available opportunity. This defense is built to win right now, but this team does not trust his quarterback, and they can understand why he's a small man who has been injured at every level of football he's played. He shows absolutely no arm strength. And then, you know, you haven't helped him out. You had a chance to draft the best left tackle in the draft in Peninsula. You didn't do that. You went after arguably the third best receiver in the draft in Jalen Waddle. Who's a guy, again, who doesn't get downfield? He's an after the catch guy. You give the ball in his hands and he makes things happen. I don't know that Jalen Waddle can do that or replicate that Alabama success in the NFL. So, again, you're telling me you do not believe in Tua Tungabailo's ability to get the ball down the field. That is not going to work in today's NFL. And, well, AJ said the Jets are the Jets. I like the rebuild, but, again, as I said, at best, you're seeing four or five wins. The Jets are not ready to contend in this division right now. I know I've gone on and on, but the Bills easily win this division. So I don't know if the Bills win it easily. I expect the Bills to win it. That's that's what I still trust the Bills. I do not trust any of these other teams to be a true contender against the Bills. However, it comes with a caveat. The first thing is the Bills have only really, to my mind, they've only improved in the wide receiver position by bringing in Emmanuel Sanders as their number two because they didn't have a number two. It was last season, that team was Josh Allen and it was Stefan Diggs. And then it was whoever else could give them a few yards and probably catch a ball for it. Oh, yeah, and Dawson Knox in coming out to the end of the season. For a little bit. Yeah, for a little bit. But then they bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who is a true weapon at at the second wide receiver position. But the defense has not gotten much better. They haven't gotten better running the ball. So when you look at that, then... You, you have to ask some serious questions about are they actually built to do what they want to do? Then when you factor in you know, the rebuild that's happening with the Patriots and the defense, a lot of the players that were out because they didn't want to play through COVID were about this season. That defense is a lot better. We have to see what happens with Stephon Gilmore if he actually does turn up or not. But he is still there and he is a former defensive player of the year. So they have a lot of great pieces on the defensive side. I do not like what they did offensively in this offseason. I've I've alluded to it at points, but I have not come right on and say it. So I'm going to come right on and say it, no. Kendrick Bourne, you paid all that money for a number three receiver. Nelson Aguilar. Enough said. Then you have... <laughs> um, Hunter Henry, who can't stay fit. 
He's been injured every single season he's been in the league when he was with the Chargers. And I'm supposed to put all of my faith then in this two tight end set with Jono Smith, who was in and out of production for the Titans last season. So you spent all this money on who? On what? You, there were better players out there that you could have spent the money on, but you decided not to pay them. You paid these B-list guys. I know you're picking them up with a rookie quarterback. Maybe, maybe, but let's see. I don't know. What I'm seeing right now does not instill a lot of confidence in me. You guys are talking about the Dolphins. The Dolphins don't trust Tua, so how can they trust Tua? Then the Jets... Still the Jets, until the Jets show me otherwise. The Jets, like I have always said, the Jets know what the Browns used to be for so many years. And until the Browns showed me that they were no longer the Browns, and then they started giving some credit. But the Jets, they haven't earned that level of respect from me yet. So the Bills, if if they had a... Just like we said with with regards to the to the north, if there was another team that had their act together enough to properly challenge them, then it would probably pay them to lose this division. But there's no team right now that is in that position. So on go the Bills. So then the AFC North. The AFC North is recognized to be if not the toughest, the second toughest division in football is up there with the NFC West. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, we have the Baltimore Ravens, we have the Cleveland Browns, and then there's the Cincinnati Bengals who are perpetually rebuilding. So, gentlemen, I will start with you on this one, Justin. Who do you trust to win in the AFC North? Hi, so who do I trust to win it? I trusted Cleveland Browns. Sounds weird, right? But who will win it? And I had the Browns to win this up to today when you sent me the notes or yesterday. And then I started to look through schedules. And I'm going to have to say the Baltimore Ravens win this division. Simply because the schedule that they play. I, I looked through both teams. I wanted to, I wanted to play. I wanted to take the Cleveland Browns. And simply because I think they have one of the most well-rounded rosters in the entire NFL. And they actually improved it unlike most teams. They added one of the best corners in the draft, I think Greg Newsom, and got a steal in the second round by taking Jeremiah Rusukor-Moore, who a lot of people project to be defensive rookie of the year. I absolutely love the kid. And, and now we're getting back a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. I think this team has built, they run the football, they don't ask, why am I forgetting names now? Baker. They don't ask their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, to do too much. They cut the field in half for him, make the read very simple. But when I look at Baltimore, I think their head coach is the most underrated head coach in all of football because all he does is win. And they have a very, very, tried and tested method of winning games. They run the football and they play defense. Unfortunately, they lost Matthew Judon to AJ's um, New England Patriots, but they returned every other member of that defense. 
Yes, they've lost J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill, but they expect big things from Gus Edwards. I know you thought I was going to say Le'Veon Bell, but they expect big things from Gus Edwards and not Le'Veon Bell. This season, I, yeah, I think when I look through both teams' strength of schedule, I'm going to lead slightly towards Baltimore. I think they have Baltimore going 14-3 and three and Cleveland 12-5. and five. And no, Kent, I do not have the Pittsburgh Steelers winning this division or even making the playoffs because I saw what Ben Roethlisberger looked like the end of last season. I saw what their receivers and that, that core looked like. And just that you mentioned how Buffalo did nothing to improve their run game. Well, guess what? Pittsburgh Steelers did absolutely nothing to improve that putrid run game. They did nothing to improve the passing game either. You're holding on to their life of a guy who probably should have retired at the end of last season in Ben Roethlisberger. And your backups are what? Um, who I mean, looking at Dwayne Haskins, and I can't even remember the other backup because he was that bad when he had to step in for Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, for this, it's still Rudolph, right? Mason Rudolph? Yes. It's still Mason Rudolph, yes. That is so bad. I cannot even remember Mason Rudolph's <laughs> name because I didn't want to remember Mason Rudolph's name. <laughs> this Pittsburgh Steelers team has not improved on any of their deficiencies. And on top of that, their best player, TJ Watt, has a situation with his contract that he's, he's upset with. Mm-hmm. Who do I trust? I trust the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns just slightly less but I do not trust those Pittsburgh Steelers to return as the winners of the AFC North. So, AJ, uh, Justin, we talk about the uh, the running game of Pittsburgh, but that's where your boy went too. So, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm, but, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I guess what he is saying, I would hope he's saying is that they, they haven't done that much in, in, in terms of like, because it, it's, it's really Najee alone though. I mean, the, the second, is, is it still Benny Snell that's like the backup there now? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah he ain't good. So, <laughs> yeah, they really, <laughs> so they really haven't, I, I, mean, I mean, outside, you'll you be putting a lot of pressure on, on a rookie in Najee Harris. But I, I, I think you have a very good year, though. Um, but, yo, I, I feel like I feel like Justin used my notes to prepare for this, you know, because I just say everything I was basically about to say. Because that is the first thing I did when I saw this question, right? I ended up checking the schedules. Because this, 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 this is a very interesting division. We all know that. And so I, I really had to check the schedule to see, like, who. I'd, I didn't put numbers to it, but I just was, like, looking through. Because now, first, first things first, the Steelers are not going 11-0 again to start the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, at that time, they might even be below 500. I, I ain't even, I ain't even um, doubting that, right? Um, overall, the thing is, they're still a solid organization. We know that. But... As we said, you have to look at the quarterbacks and they're going to start Ben again. And yeah, this is, he's no longer Big Ben. It's more like Cripple Ben or something like that. Um, Tom, Tom, I mean, Mike Tomlin is a really good coach, so I don't want to count them out, but I just don't have faith in the quarterback. But on the flip side, the same thing can be said I, I, because I, I actually have this in my notes with Justin. Uh, Har- I think Harbour is, um, John Harbour is, is, is criminally underrated. This man has <laughs> kept, kept the Ravens as a solid franchise for however long he's been there right and as much as you, you know baker is my guy you know baker is my guy right and mm-hmm. I, I feel like stefanski has found a, a formula that works around baker 
but I do not trust Stefanski and Baker enough to win this division. And last year was like a game that separated the three, um, these three teams, right? Because Baltimore and, and Cleveland had 11 wins and then um, Pittsburgh ended up with 12. But to, to sum it all up, to, let me read it back in. I have the, the Ravens winning division as well. I have the Ravens finishing on top. I think um, they have uh, the most well-rounded team here in this division. Well, not the most. Let me not say that because the Browns team is very well-rounded. But I, I mean, in terms of the organization itself, just having the head coach as well, the most dynamic quarterback in the division. Um, so I think when, yeah, when when push comes to shove, it'll be the Ravens who will be able to eke out some of these wins. Um or more so than the others, I, 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 just, I don't like to count the Steelers out, but I'm not completely against Justin's notion that they do not make the postseason. I, I, like, I would not be shocked if it does not happen. So I would not be shocked, sorry, if that does happen in, in terms of them missing out. So I have, I will admit, you two have convinced me where the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned. Because I had the Pittsburgh Steelers Still making the postseason. But I will admit, I will raise my hands and say that I appear to have been wrong when I had them as the third team coming out of this division to get to the postseason. Now, that said, I'm also, it's going to be a clean sweep here again. I also have the Ravens winning the division. But I didn't do the deep dive that you guys did looking through the schedule. I agree with everything you've said in regards to John Harbaugh. It amazes me that like, a couple of seasons ago, there was talk of Harbaugh may have been on the hot seat. Like, what are you doing? Are you going to find a better coach at this point than John Harbaugh? For this group especially, probably not. He has never lost the locker room. And they, are, they have winning seasons year after year after year. So now it's done for that team now to show the growth and move and get further in the playoffs. But the first thing that you have to do is to get there, and he does that every season. Now, I know I just said that I give the Browns some credit. I do. But it's not a $20 top-up. It's a $10 (laughs) top-up. They get some, but maybe not enough. Because as you... Me mention of Stefanski cuts the field in half for Baker and he tries to limit the opportunities that Baker has to give the ball away. I am not a Baker apologist in the slightest. He is, he is not somebody that I look to when I'm thinking about great or even good quarterback. He's okay. He, he probably would now become the new Andy Dalton where if you have a quarterback better than Baker, then you have a good quarterback. And if you have a quarterback worse than Baker, then you're looking for a quarterback. So maybe he now takes out the Mendoza line of quarterbacking Hmm. going forward. But if you have a quarterback, and I made this this point to AJ before with regards to Jimmy Garoppolo, if you have a quarterback that the coach has to hide, then you have a problem at quarterback. You don't see any of the top teams even with Ben Roethlisberger looking pedestrian, Big Ben became Uncle Ben last season. 
you, you even when you're looking pedestrian, you weren't seeing the coaches trying to take the ball out of his. I mean, they can't run the football anyway, so they didn't really have much of a choice. But the the part the point still remains that they were still trying to create a game plan which allowed Ben to be Ben and throw the ball. If you have Baker, who you are still trying to, to restrict and limit and make sure that he doesn't give the game away because if you let him do too much, he might give the game away, then me as a fan and a part-time analyst looking at this, I'm going to say, but if you don't trust this guy, when you need somebody to come over here and give you 350 yards and put four touchdowns on the board, passing the ball alone, but you're still going to try to make sure that you have Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt, they're going to get their touches. Then I'm going to be like, hmm, maybe this is not the guy. But they don't have that crop, they don't have that issue in Baltimore. And for all the things that they keep saying about Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback and everything, when you see a lot of his biggest runs, his best runs and, and highlight plays with his legs, they almost always start out as pass plays. He's standing in the pocket and looking around, looking to see what is happening. And then the Baltimore Ravens, who have had a very poor wide receiving room for many years now, nobody can get free. All of the corners backs are turned. Okay, here's the lane. I'll just take it then. And he just runs. That plan works. They, as you said, they have Gus Edwards. Now they bring in Le'Veon Bell. So they have a, a stable of running backs to go with him. So read option is going to be a challenge. Then they just brought in Sammy Watkins to help with the wide receiving core. And while Watkins may not be as fast as he used to be, he's still a big body receiver that can, first he can put a body on somebody he can block. And then he can still get open. He can actually beat somebody in coverage and get free. So you're giving him options. You're giving him weapons. You're giving him things that he can do. So when I look at all of that, you put a nice little bow on top of it, then the Ravens win the North. Yeah, and actually, lastly. I like the, 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 okay, sorry, I was just mm-hmm. adding that. I actually like the addition of Sammy Watkins. Again, it's not like a wow move for me, but I think it... it it does help them. It does improve them in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we know Sammy. Sammy's been, I guess you could say, for for want of a better word, productive as opposed to like, well, like, uh, like excessively like great in the last few seasons. But I, I, I think it works. And again, kind of like I feel with Josh Norman is is, is good for some of the youngsters, um, in 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 that wide receiving room, probably especially Hollywood Brown too. But I, I, I like that for them though. And they also drafted, I was trying to remember the name, so he was looking for Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. So mm-hmm. that should help them because the reality situation, Holly Brown, Hollywood Brown is not a true number one receiver in the NFL. And that mm-hmm. these last two seasons have shown that. Yeah, agreed. For sure. So now to bring our division um, walk through to a close, it is my NFC South. Now the NFC South... There are only two teams worth talking about in the NFC South. So we'll just we'll just get out right off the rip. So apologies to Carolina Panthers fans. We're not talking about them. Apologies. 
Who's the other team? Oh, sorry, the Atlanta Falcons. Said, who's the other team? <laughs> <laughs> apologies, <laughs> apologies to the Atlanta Falcons. We're not talking about you either. This team, this season, this division comes down to the New Orleans Saints, who are going to be the Jacksonville Saints for this week, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who do you trust to win the division, fellas? And I feel I'm gonna be on an island by myself. But who do you trust? The Saints or the Bucks? Uh Justin, you wanna go first? I'll go first. Unfortunately, Ken is not gonna to want to hear this and he may never bring me back on the program. But you know, I alluded to the situations earlier. You no longer have Drew Brees, which may or may not be a good thing because. Jameis Winston's arm strength kind of opens up your playbook some more because, like, let's not pretend. Drew Brees never had a rocket of an arm, and a lot of your play designs are 20 yards and in, which allowed the Bucs in the playoffs to feast. Like, they're just sat down our routes and waiting. I'm not sure if that's kind of the reason why I'm not a big Michael Thomas fan, because he's not a deep threat either, like, I am never high on him because you can sit down on Michael Thomas's ropes just knowing they're either going to be slants or hook ropes. And I wonder now if that has to do with Drew Brees' arm strength or if that is just who he is. Drew Brees is gone. I kind of like Jameis Winston, or at least this second version of Jameis Winston we're likely going to see if what we saw in the preseason is who he's going to be going forward. But I don't like the departure of Latavius Murray. I don't like the departure of Emmanuel Sanders. As Ken said, you're consistently over the cap. So you're letting people have to walk out through the front door for absolutely nothing. And as I said, in picking division winners, typically you go with the best quarterback in the division. And quite honestly, that's obviously Tom Brady. And when you look at the Buccaneers. This defending champion team may have actually gotten better. You're returning all 11 starters on offense, all 11 starters on defense, and adding tight end O.J. Howard. I don't know, Ken, but the real deal breaker for me, again, when I get went through a deep dive between the two teams, I think what really steals it now, Ken, is the unfortunate situation of winning division last year meant that you have a first-place schedule. And with that first-place schedule, gave you my Packers, the Seahawks, and the Tennessee Titans. Three playoff teams that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not have to face this season. Yeah, I think that is the tipping point right there. The fact, and Sorry, Ken, I don't have you winning. I try to be as impartial as possible. You did a good job, by the way, in choosing Jacksonville as a neutral venue to play our Packers because we do not like playing in Florida. Aaron hates it. But I don't have you winning that game. I'm not sure if you beat the Seahawks or the Titans either. And as again, those are three opponents the Buccaneers do not have to face in 2022. I think that first case schedule is a difference between you and the Buccaneers and ultimately I give Tampa Bay the division win. Okay. Justin, Justin I'm glad you're here, boy. I'm really <laughs> glad you're here. Yeah, so now I don't have to fight this battle alone because I'm always on Ken Seance, huh? always. In fairness, last year when we were having this discussion, 
did we already start doing this the show already or was this a side discussion either way i think i think we had this discussion in, in our own private chat on whatsapp right mm-hmm. but i did tell ken last year i expected the the even with tom uh, with tb12 making the move to the bucks i did expect that the saints would still win the division right because they was they were going to be moving parts and some like growing pains with uh regards to like tom getting acquainted with his offense and whatnot so exactly what i told ken is what came to fruition I said the Saints will win the division. The Bucks are going to get into uh, into the playoffs by a wild card spot. And if you have to meet them again, they'll whoop you. They are going to take you out. As as exactly exactly, so shall it be written, so shall it be done. Right? This year, this year, Ken, I am with Justin. I do not see how you win this division this year. And and this is not. Firstly, let, let me not say, this is not even to come down on the scene. This is more so, I believe that, and as Justin already alluded to, the Bucks are stronger than last year. And, and Tom is going to be a bit fitter, a bit healthier. He's now obviously has had an offseason with, with his offense. Coming off of winning a Super Bowl and still having more time with these men. I don't see how you... you um, are going to to take out these men. Sorry, yeah, I, I don't have you winning either either game against them. First of all, I I don't see how um they're not the best team in the division. As you said, the rest of the division don't really matter. And I I this is the year. This is the year that y'all get dethroned because the 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 biggest the biggest piece uh, um for me obviously is the fact that Drew is no longer in the, in the fold. Right, I'm I'm just convinced that the Bucks have this the momentum and and. The continuity from last year. So, f- for me right now, I-, I honestly, I'll be very shocked if you win this division again. Okay. Let's hear it Plant your flag. Plant your flag. Let me go, man. So, I know when we did Justin's show last week, the Jets fan, he was humble and contrite. He would not beat his chest on behalf of his Jets. I mean, again, it is the Jets. Fear. AJ, you have been humble and contrite with regards to your Patriots, which is also fair. You you do have an exceptional talent in your division as well. However, had we started Taysom Hill as my quarterback for this season, you would have this question would have been significantly different. Because there's no way that I would have put my sense anywhere here for the division crown. However, because Sean Payton had the common sense to do what everybody knew had to be done and put James Winston in as my quarterback for the season, I am not as bullish as some of my, some of my Saints fans, some of my Saints fans' friends, you know? I will not go and say that I'm going to put money on it. However, there is no way in heaven, hell, or in between that I am going to sit here and say to you that somebody other than my saints are going to win this division. And here is you. why. So you talk about the, you talk about the, the schedule and the teams that we have to play that the Bucks will not have to play because we won the division last season and you know we have that first place schedule. Okay, that is fair. This is the same um, Seattle Seahawks that you, AJ, you always say that you don't trust because they can't get this stuff figured out and their defense has gotten worse, I can beat them. No, it's the first game of the season, Justin. 
anything can happen because it's the first game of the season. However, I still think that my Saints can find a way to win this game against the Packers. No, I understand that my Saints have gone worse on defense because we've lost quite a few players because of the cap. I don't know why is it that my cap situation is always this bad. Somehow they find a way to make it work, but it is what it is. We don't have a lot of pieces that we had last season. I'm concerned about my corners. But that's the only spot on my defense that I'm concerned. My front seven is still elite. So I'm rolling with my defense. And then we get to the offense. So my offense, last season, we had Emmanuel Sanders, who's no longer there. That's a big loss. Marquez Calloway, he stepped up quite quite a bit in the preseason. He's looking good and he has filled me with optimism for what happens come Sunday and onward. But I would still prefer if we still had Emmanuel Sanders as well. That being said, Michael Thomas is out for six weeks. We just got to keep the ship afloat until he comes back. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk and there are lots of disrespectful football fans who call him Michael Thomas slap boy. But <laughs> just because Drew Brees wasn't able to get the ball down the field doesn't mean that Michael Thomas himself can't get there. Because it's one thing to say, Michael Thomas, all he runs is slants and comebacks and hook ropes. It's the next thing to stop it. Remember we had talked about um, with... Patrick Mahomes earlier on in the show. You can you can know what he's going to do, but to be able to stop it is something else. And when Drew Brees wasn't able to throw the ball 15 yards through the air with any sort of velocity, Michael Thomas still caught 145 balls, even though he was the only one we had on the team to catch the ball. Now we have Jameis Winston, who we know is willing to take a 40-yard shot. And we still have some burners on the offensive side that can get down the field, which now is going to force the safeties to step back. You're no longer playing 10 and 15 yards off the lane. You're going to have to be at 20 and 25 yards off the lane, which then gives my favorite running back and one of the best running backs in football, Alvin Kamara, a lot more room to operate. So that's my sense. So then we take it to the other side. Okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We smote them twice in the regular season to beat us in the playoffs. That stung. That hurt. Hey, 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 hey. How it is you smoke them and then oh, but they beat us in the playoffs? Nah, they smoke you in the playoffs. Say okay. smoke them. Say, hey, say that they smoked you in the playoffs. Say it. You're, you're not going to get out of me, sir. I'm sorry. Right <laughs> now, I am just, I am literally <laughs> praying that the AFC East and the New England Patriots can be so good this season that all of these loafers who are humbugging my division, riding Tom Brady's coattails in Tampa Bay, get out and go back to the East. But that is neither here nor there. Let me bring it back down. Let me dial it back down a bit. So, when I look at the Buccaneers, okay, so the Buccaneers have brought everybody back. Great. You have all your starters back from last season. Fantastic. That's good. It sounds really good to say that we brought back all 22 players. And yes, it is great for continuity. You didn't lose any coaches. You didn't lose any players. So you can build on what you did last season. But 
Let's 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 be real. First off, Tom Brady is almost 50. Tom Brady is the oldest quarterback in the division. He has just come back off of a knee surgery. He has not been one that is running. He's never been accused of being mobile. But the fact still remains that he is older again. And he has been injured and he's coming back from surgery. That is something to be concerned about. No, we talk about how Drew Brees wasn't able to throw the ball on the field. Tom Brady, for some reason, he just decided last season that he was going to start throwing the ball down the field. He wasn't very good at it. The numbers didn't back him up when he was throwing the ball down the field. And oftentimes, you had boy receivers playing as cornerbacks to make sure that the balls weren't picked off when he was throwing the ball 35 or 40 yards down the field. He's a year older. His arm is not as strong. Therefore, when I put all of that together, there is enough there. There is enough that I can see that is not quite there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the Saints, once they take care of their end of the bargain, they can still win this division. I do not see any team in our division doing better than 12 and 5. Anything. But if we can be that team to be 12 and 5, we can split the series with the Buccaneers home and home. We can be there. We can be sitting at the top. I see it. I don't know there's what you, one, but I see it. There's one point you forgot to mention, though, right? And I'm glad you brought up the front sevens, right? Because, and you're correct in saying your front seven is good. But G's on bread that Tampa Bay front seven is arguably the best front seven in all of football. When you talk about Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, and the person who I think is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in all of football, and the person in my estimation that wrecked my NFC title game in Vita Vea. You saw the difference, right, when Vita Vea was not playing as when he was playing, because if there's a weakness on that time of Bay Buccaneers, it's in the back end. But it was because they were not able to get a, uh, after the quarterback when Vita Vea was down and their back end was getting exposed when quarterbacks had time. We had to play them in the NFC title game. Granted, it was without David Bakhtiari. But my word, Vita Vea made a mess of my offensive lane. And when you look, Vita Vea, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Dominique Sue are right behind them, in my estimation, the best linebacking core in all of football, in Levante David and Devin White. Woof! That front seven is something that most teams don't want to face. And I'm thankful I don't have to play the Buccaneers in the regular season this year. You have to play them twice. Hats off and best luck to you, um, Ken. But even without, let us say for argument's sake, the Tampa Bay offense is just okay, right? Which to me, they were in the Super Bowl. That front seven, and as much as Tom got and uh, Super Bowl MVP, I thought that type of different seven was the reason that they won that Super Bowl. They completely and utterly dominated that game. I expect them to do that this season. Again, can I not disagree with your points you made? But when I look at this type of their roster, my word, that's, that's all I can say. Well, I mean, I'll take what you're saying with regards to their front seven. Because their front seven is good. But I still have one of the best offensive lines in football. And with the fact that I have one of the best offensive lines in football, 
I believe that my offensive line can do enough to help me cope with their front seven. And then when you look at what we were able or not able to do in that playoff game against the Buccaneers, yes, the Buccaneers defense played well, but Drew Brees played one of the worst games of his career in that game. I expect, and I told AJ this last season, Drew Brees was not good enough and he needed to sit down, but they're not going to sit him. The New Orleans Saints are not the New York Giants. We would never do that to our franchise quarterback. But that still does not change the fact then that this Jameis Winston, even this 30 interception Jameis Winston that still threw for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns was a better quarterback than Drew Brees was last season. So if we don't get the mistakes, but you're not able to crowd the box and therefore stop Alvin Kamara from being effective, and we can get after that back end, as you said, I have seen enough here to make me optimistic about these things. Justin, I'm glad <laughs> you're here to witness this because this is what my guy does season after season. You know, it gets his hopes up. I mean, we'll see how it goes this year. We'll see. I've, just for the record, so you know, right, I was a very big Drew Brees detractor. Like, I, 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 I am really running with this. I was never running with it, this narrative about how great he is. And I mean, he is, he is, he is obviously a, a future Hall of Famer. And he was a, 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 an exceptional quarterback, no doubt. But I was always, and I told Ken this last season, anytime, anytime that the Saints were eliminated from playoffs, during during Drew Brees', um, Drew Brees tenure, except for their play, um, Super Bowl winning year, Drew Brees always had a bad game or, or had a play or two in the game that, that caused them to, to, to basically be on the losing side. It's, it's never like Drew Brees has played this exceptional game and then the team around him, though. Nah, Drew Brees is always faltering. Ken, I, I, we'll wait. We'll wait again. We'll be back here. Division, you know. I know when it happens, we can bring Justin. Just say me back then for sure. We can bring Please Justin bring Justin me back. I, I can't wait. We're yeah, going yeah. well, to be back here. I, like I said, I have seen enough. This is, this is me being objective. I'm taking the fan cap off and putting the analyst hat on. There is enough with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they should win the division. Top to bottom. It is difficult to argue and say that they are not the best team in the division. However, until they beat the Saints and win the division, the Saints are the kings of the self. And we can continue to run the self. That's it. That's all. All right, sir. All right, sir. Now, we've been a bit long today, but we've had a lot of fun in our conversation Justin, thank you very much for being our first guest. There is an open invitation. Whenever you want to be on, you are welcome to be here. Tell the folks where they can find you and how they can reach you. Um, well, we are not an audio-only podcast. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten there as yet. We're going to have to follow your steed at some point. Usually, we are on YouTube on Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. But this week, due to some issues and also... We'll say that it's because football is tomorrow night. 
We are on tonight, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern as an early kickoff for the season. So you can catch us on YouTube. That is hashtag this just in. And you can also find during the week, we post a lot of our short clips on Instagram. And that is also hashtag this just in. So you can check us out tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We have a live show. I am not as good as editing with these, as these boys are. So we are not a, a, a recorded podcast whatsoever. I really tip my hat off to Ken and AJ for that. But thank you so very much for the open invitation. I was supposed to be on the show two weeks ago, but Ken will tell you the back and forth that has happened. And yeah, I will hopefully be on regularly to talk about NFL, especially my Packers, hopefully, this season. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. It was really good having you. Right? It's, this was a, a good spirited discussion. Also, I just really, really love the fact that I had some company to bash Ken Saints once again. Thank you so much for that, Justin. No, I have to thank y'all for coming on because the last episode that y'all were on, uh, that was absolutely amazing. And they had a grand time. So it's always good to collab with, with fellow podcasters, especially our Caribbean brothers. And I've now found out that AJ is a Beijing born, born boy. So. <laughs> Yeah, my passport still be a Good, good, good. <laughs> there you have it. So as always, we we have a great time on the Green Beach podcast. As you know, well, for those who have been following us, Fantasy Spot is up next. We well, we're recording it next. You'll see it on Thursday. You'll see it tomorrow. But as always, that is AJ today. That is Justin. I am Ken. This has been the Green Bay Podcast. We'll see you next time.